0: All we say and all that we do. Our God is a good, loving, and sovereign over all, for all things. He's in control of everything. Suffering and death. The beginning of the human race. Well, I am thankful that in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, we'll be looking at this morning, we read not only of the reason for human suffering and death, came into the world through sin, but this great passage also provides for us hope for justification, being righteous in the eyes of God and having eternal life through the superabounding grace of God demonstrated to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we get here to the end of Romans chapter 5, it brings us to the conclusion to the first two uh, major sections of the book of Romans. The first three chapters deal with the matter of condemnation. We all are under the condemnation of God. That's what we deserve. But thank God, chapters 4 and 5 come along, and the end of chapter 3, and they tell us about justification, where God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, freely redeems us by His grace. We read of the fact that although we were helpless and hopeless and hostile to God, We're redeemed and and sanctified through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this last part of the fifth chapter, we read of four different kings, four reigns. The reign of death in verse 14, the reign of sin in verse 21, the reign of grace in verse 21, and the reign that we as redeemed sinners will enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ in His perfect time. In uh, verses 12 through 21, we read of two men and the effect that they have upon the human race, upon our lives. Those men are Adam and then the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we will look at a contrast and comparison between Adam and Jesus and also what they bring into our lives as detailed in this passage of Scripture. Follow along as I read Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness, of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of Him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We find first of all here the consideration of Adam and sin and death. And we find in this passage the source of sin in the human race. Sin entered through one man. Uh, Adam was uh, given a charge in the Garden of Eden. He was told he could eat from any tree that he wanted to. But there was one tree that he couldn't, the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And he was told that the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And he and Eve both ate, ate of that fruit, and uh, they surely died. Sin came through Adam. And sin comes upon us as a result of that fact. In Psalm fifty-one five, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Psalm 58, 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born, speaking lies. We never had to teach any of our kids the lie. That kind of comes naturally. And Jeremiah seventeen, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When God created the world and when God created man, he created them perfect, and without sin. But if you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, you find out the account there of the entrance of sin into the world through that one test that was given to Adam and, and Eve. And we find that those chapters are, are true. And we'll talk about that a little bit more this evening. Sadly, we live in a day when even people that call themselves evangelicals are questioning whether Adam and Eve were real historical people. And they're doing that largely because they're buying into the, uh, some of the scientific theories that speak of the, the world being so many billion years old and man being on the earth for so many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. And they're, they're trying to somehow harmonize the Bible with some of those scientific theories and they're sadly compromising the biblical text. And tonight we want to talk about the the good reason that we have for believing today that Adam and Eve were historical figures. They were real, live people. The event that we have described in Genesis 3, uh, about the test that they were given and and the fall of Adam, uh, are accurate. They're they're history. They're a historical record. And it affects our lives this, this very day. We read in this passage of Scripture in verse 12 that when... When sin came, that's also when, when death came. Death entered the human race with sin. Death, Sin and death always go together. Uh, we find that uh, it's kind of a picture of a house here where it says when, kind of when the door was open, sin came in and along with it came, came death. Kind of like in our house, we have a storm door on our, our front, uh, front of the house there. And uh, when the wind blows, sometimes you open the door, open the storm door, and when the wind blows, we got trees around us. And I love those trees, but you know what trees have? Trees have leaves. And uh, in the fall, those leaves fall down. And you know what happens when you open the door and the wind blows? Those leaves come right in with the wind, and then you've got to pick them up or sweep them out or whatever. Well, when sin came in, Death came along with it. God warned Adam, the day you sin, the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And that's exactly what happened. He began to die physically. He died spiritually. Death is always the idea of separation when you read it in Scripture. Physical death is the separation of the the soul from the body. Spiritual death is separation from God. And the Bible also warns about being separated from God forever and ever in the lake of fire. And all that came into the world when Adam sinned. With sin came death and it passed into every room. I thank God when the leaves blow into our house, they generally just come into the front hallway there and you pick them up from there. But but when sin came into the world and death came into the world with it, death passed upon all men. It entered into every room. The the only exception were Enoch and Elijah and uh, believers at the rapture. Enoch and Elijah were both translated out of this world. And at the, the rapture, those who were alive, uh, alive at the time of the rapture will be caught up to meet the Lord in the, the air. And uh, we find that Adam's sin had a, an effect upon all of us. The, the, the reason for, for death is sin. And it starts with, with Adam's sin. And, and you notice it doesn't talk about Eve. It talks about Adam. Uh, There's a difference between Adam sinning and Eve sinning. Eve, we're told in Scripture, was deceived. Adam sinned with his eyes wide open, and he chose to disobey God without being deceived. He he just chose to do what God had told him not to do, and God places upon Adam, really, the, the, the guilt of the whole human race because of his sin. When he sinned, it constituted all of us sinners somebody said, well, I don't like being, I don't like being affected by Adam's sin. I don't like being made a sinner because Adam sinned." Well, guess what? You'd have done the same thing if you were in his place. You would have sinned. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't like being called a sinner because Adam sinned, uh, think about your own life. You sin. We're all sinners. And we got no excuse before God. We sin because we're sinners. And, and we're not, it's not that the uh, we become sinners because we sin. We all inherit our sin nature from Adam. We're all related to him. And just like you get two eyes and two ears and a nose as a result of being part of the human race, we also get a sin nature that comes along as well. Uh, that's, that's part of it. And we're, we're told in that passage of Scripture that, that we looked at a little while ago, we come forth from the from the womb ready to tell lies ready to deceive our parents did you take that cookie when i told you not to no i didn't do that and it's amazing how innocent little kids can make themselves look sometimes well when they're not they're little bundles of sin and it shows up in learning how to lie my brother did it my sister did it you know when you just have one kid your parenting hasn't really started well, when you get two or three and they can blame it on one another, and you've got to sort out who's telling the truth, that's, what, that's when real parenting kicks into the, the picture there. But uh, the fact, we're, we're all constituted sinners because of Adam's sin, and we all sin because we have a sin nature, and, and because of sin, we do have death. In fact, sin was in the world before the, before the law came. Sometimes people say, well, what's sin? Well, it's when you violate the Ten Commandments. Well, no. Sin was around a whole lot longer than that. Uh, Adam was given the test of of obeying God and not eating the fruit, and he sinned by disobeying God. Cain killed his brother Abel. And we find that it's not a matter of just sin being in the world after the Ten Commandments came, after the law came. Sin was in the world before that. Uh, Men could know what God wanted them to do, and, and God violated God's standard for them. We're told in Scripture... Uh, back in Romans 3.23, that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. We, we sin when we violate the will of God. We, we, we sin when we're not godly. We sin when we when we do that which is contrary to what God would have us to do. That, that's what sin is, not just breaking the law. So sin was in the world before the law came, and uh, death is the proof of sin, and the proof of man's accountability... For being a sinner. And if somebody would say, well, how do I know sin was in the world before before the law was given? Well, it tells us right here. Sin was in the world before the law, and we find that death is the proof of sin. You might say, well, I don't like being called a sinner. Now, how, how can you prove to me that I'm a sinner? Well, one of these days you're going to die. In fact, sometimes somebody might say, well, I, my, my grandmother, she was a dear, dear, sweet woman. My grandmother couldn't have sinned. You know, no way. Well, how can we know that Grandma was a sinner as well? Well, first of all, the Bible says she was, or is. And secondly, if she's not with us anymore, she died. Uh, she didn't die necessarily as a judgment directly upon her, but upon the whole human race. And, and death is a, a proof that sin is the biggest problem we deal with in this life. People get together and talk about the problems of life, the problems of the world. Well, here's the big one that we all face. We all die. And man, no matter how much medical research he's done, has not been able to eliminate death. Sometimes they extend the, uh, uh, the longevity that we have, but nobody yet has gotten rid of death. And death is a proof that sin is the biggest problem that we face and it's the proof that of the effect on Adam's sin upon the whole race. You say, "Well, I don't believe sin's a big problem." Let me encourage you. Take a, a little drive this afternoon and go to the cemeteries in the area. And you know what every one of those cemeteries is a testimony to two things. Every one of those testimonies is a, every one of those cemeteries is a testimony to, to death and sin and you go to any town just about in the world what do they have they got a cemetery why because death visits there death is a universal problem throughout the human race Uh, you go to scripture the warning given to adam the day you eat that fruit you surely die you flip over to chapter four what do you find you find abel being killed by his brother cain you go over to chapter five what do you find the genealogy there and time after time, it gives a name, and it gets down to tell a little bit about the person that says, and he died. And he died consistently through the course of the whole genealogy, and that we still see the same thing going on in our world today. Death is the proof of the effect of Adam's sin. Now, one other thing introduced here in, chapter, in, in verse 14, it, it talks about Adam. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in exactly the same way that Adam did. But but Adam is a type of him who was to come. We find that Adam is a, a picture of Christ. And we find through the next verses in this passage of Scripture, we're going to be looking at Adam and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see a contrast, first of all, between Adam and Christ. And then we'll see a a key similarity between Adam and Christ. First of all, the contrast. It talks about the the work of Christ is much greater than what what Adam did. It talks about much more. We find that phrase being used through here. Uh, Christ's work is much greater in quality than than the work of Adam. What Adam uh, got and what we get through him is deserved. It's the wages of sin, death. And uh, we find that that's spelled out here for us. And we find that what Christ provides for us is life as an undeserved grace gift from God. Christ's work is also greater in magnitude. We find that through one sin, through one sin, condemnation comes upon all men. One sin of Adam. Uh, but, But when Jesus comes along, we find that justification through Jesus Christ blots out billions and billions of sins. And that's just those of us in this room. And you can keep building from that as far as the numbers are concerned. How many sins did Jesus take care of when He died on the cross at Calvary? All of them. And you they haven't come up yet with a number big enough probably to, to demonstrate clearly how many sins that is but christ took care of every single one of them and he did it with his act of obedience to the lord when he took our sin upon himself as he died on the cross of calvary and what a greater work in magnitude jesus carried out a good illustration of this is a matter of striking a match and setting a fire in a forest and that that fire gets raging because you struck that one match and you lit some pine needles or something and and, and the forest fire moves for, for many square miles and, and just moves and moves and moves and the wind stirs it up and then somebody comes along and a group of firefighters and with, with millions of gallons of water and with the, the work that they do, they end up putting out that fire. Let me ask you, who does the greater work? The person that strikes the match and starts the forest on fire, or the people that come in and they're able to put out that raging forest fire that's destroying all kinds of trees. Who does the greater work? Well, obviously, it's the firefighters, right? Any of us could go out there and strike one match and start a forest on fire. But it takes a special group of people to be able to come in and put out a raging forest fire. Well, what did Adam do? One sin started the whole human race, plunged into sin and to death. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Any of us could have done what Adam did and probably would have done what Adam did. But what did Jesus do? He came and through the atonement that he provided for us on the cross of Calvary, he took care of every one of our sins and he removed them as far as the east is from the west. And what a glorious thing that is. And we have tremendous benefits In Christ, and we get to to rule and reign with him. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm a whole lot more thankful about being able to be in Christ than be in Adam. How do you get in Adam? Well, you get in Adam just by being born a human being. It happens automatically. And that comes with all sorts of problems. And, And the particular family you were born into might come with some other problems. I had to have my knees replaced a few years ago. And some people say, well, why did you have to have that done? And my response occasionally is, I was born into the wrong family. Uh, I was born into a family with a history of of joint problems. And uh, although I probably abused my knees somewhat over the years and wore them out, I was born into the wrong family. Some of you were born into the the wrong family. Your your dad was as bald as a cue ball, and now you're bald as a cue ball. You know, it's just... With the different families, you you get different things that come along. You get different good things. And we also get different specific negative things. Well, thank God, although we're born in Adam, and we're part of Adam's race, we have the opportunity to also be in Christ. And when we're in Christ, by coming to the place where we recognize we're sinners in need of a Savior, and we take Christ to be our Savior, we become those who are are given the gift of righteousness, and we're told here in verse 17, we will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And we talk about death, but how wonderful it is to be able to look at reigning in life and reigning with eternal life. So we find there's the contrast. That there is some similarity just in the, in between Adam and Jesus, just in the fact that, that one act by each has widespread results. One act by by each affects many, many people. Adam affects everybody. Jesus affects all who will receive him. One thing we'll see in a minute is this passage doesn't teach a universal salvation, but a great thing where, where sin through Adam reigned in death. Grace through Jesus Christ reigns in eternal life. You know, we got some ugly words in this passage, don't we? Sin and death, things like that. How much more beautiful are words like life, and grace, and gift? That's what we can going to have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I love that one of my favorite phrases in all the Word of God is found in verse 20 where it says, Moreover, the, the law entered that the offense may abound. By the way, that's one purpose of the law, to help people see how much they do sin. It just helps people to see they, 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 they couldn't keep the law. And, but, but where sin abounded, what's it say here? Grace did much more abound in the old King James. New King James says grace abounded much more. I like a more literal translation where it says grace super abounded. You know what that means? That means no matter how great the sin has been in your life, the grace of God is sufficient to take care of all of it. No matter what particular sins you've committed in your life, the grace of God is sufficient to provide for you forgiveness and salvation from that sin. Now, it may not wipe out all the consequences that came along with it, but you can have forgiveness. You can have eternal life. And what a thrilling thing it is to consider where sin abounded and sin abounds tremendously in our lives and in the lives of the race that we're part of. God's grace super abounds aren't you glad that even after you become a christian and sin shows up in your life you can claim that passage like uh, first john chapter 1 verse 9 if we want if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we not only don't lose our salvation We also have our fellowship completely restored as well. How how is that? Because where sin abounds, what happens? Grace much more abounds. Grace super abounds. Don't you like that phrase? Isn't that encouragement when you contemplate that phrase? When the devil comes around and wants to beat you up and and remind you of all the areas you've fallen short and all the areas that you've failed, isn't it gracious to, to just contemplate that phrase? Yeah, I've got lots of sin that's been in my life, but you know what? Where sin abounds, what's true? Grace super abounds. What a a great, great truth. We can hang on to when we know the Lord Jesus Christ. Several conclusions stand out about grace in this passage of Scripture. We have uh, some things that correspond, some corresponding terms in this passage. We have, on the one hand, you can be in Adam, and you are in Adam if you're born into the human race, Or you can also be in Christ. If you'll put your faith in Christ to save you, repenting of your sin, you you can know that you're standing before God today is that you are in Christ. And when you are in Adam, you're in sin. And you're condemned in your sin. But when you're in Christ, you have righteousness. You're declared righteous by God and you have a righteous standing before God. You're right before God. On the one hand, with sin comes death. Spiritual death, physical death, even eternal death. But thank God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have what? Eternal life. Promised consistently through the scriptures. Do you like John 3.16? I I like the last couple words there in John 3.16. I like the first couple words. That's a good verse. God so what? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, will not be condemned for their sins, but what? Will have everlasting life. That means we'll have a relationship with God. He's our Father. We're His child. We can call on Him at any time. And we're also going to live with Him. How long? Forever. Forever. And nothing can take that life away. Uh, it's a, a free gift that God gives to us. There, there's one term in that passage that's without a parallel. It's a word that stands right out to me. It's that word, grace. You know, we, we find that uh, that great statement a moment ago, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What's grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor that he bestows upon us. We don't deserve God's favor. We deserve condemnation. But in his love and in his graciousness, he bestows all kinds of blessings and benefits upon us. You can take the way the word spelled. God's riches at what? Christ's expense. God's grace. What a wonderful truth that is. Now, by the way, this passage doesn't teach Universal salvation. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a matter that everyone's going to automatically be in Christ. We're automatically in Adam just by being born. How do you get to be in Christ? Well, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen because you're born into a Christian family. It doesn't happen because you have attended church. It doesn't happen by getting baptized. How do you get to be in Christ? Only one way you get to be in Christ. That's repenting of your sin taking Christ to be your own personal Lord and Savior. Then we get to be in Christ. We find that the universal salvation would contradict the other scripture. And although we're automatically in Adam, we need to appropriate the righteousness and the life that's available to us in Jesus Christ. It involves a faith choice. You, by an act of your will, must come to the place in your life where you choose to make Jesus Christ. Your Lord and Savior. Here in verse seventeen, it talks about receiving. Uh, for if by one man's offense death reigned through that one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of get the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We receive the gift. We receive Christ. We accept them by faith. Just one question to close out with: Where do you stand today? If you're in the human race. You're in Adam automatically, and part of us is kind of stuck in Adam a little bit because we're still mortal, but good news, any of us can also be in Christ, and when we're in Christ, we have righteousness, we have eternal life. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Are you in Christ? I hope you are. If not, you can take Christ to be your own personal Savior this morning. You can surrender to him, and if you do, i got good news for you. Uh, No matter how much sin's been in your life, no matter what kind of sins you've done, good news. Where sin abounds, what's true? Grace super abounds. And if we're in Christ, we're justified. We have eternal life, and where our sin abounded, grace super abounds. Is that something we should thank God for? Isn't that a great thing God's done for us? To give us His wonderful grace that's greater and all of our sin. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that although we're born in Adam and we're born in sin and we're born to die, lest the Lord Jesus Christ should come back before that happens. Lord, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ we can be made righteous in your eyes. We can have forgiveness. Our sin can be removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And Father, we also And have that wonderful gift of eternal life thank you for your grace this morning lord we don't deserve it but you as our loving and sovereign god have poured it out upon us and i pray lord if any are struggling today because death has visited their home their family and they're they're kind of wondering how can a loving god allow that to happen lord i pray they'd see from the scriptures today those things happen because we're part of a sinful race but lord you, you you overcome that you overcame it when Jesus came forth from the tomb. He had came victoriously over sin and death. And we thank you that in Christ, we also can be victorious over sin and death. And Father, my prayer is that anybody with us today that's not absolutely 100% sure that they are in Christ by repenting of their sin and putting trust in the Lord Savior, they would do it today. Lord, help them to know that it's not about being in church. It's not about being a church member. It's not about being part of a Christian family. It's all about personally taking Christ to be Savior. God, work in the closing minutes of this service in our hearts. Excite us, Lord, about the abundant grace that you've bestowed upon us. And if anybody's here that's never responded to that grace, we pray they might do it even today. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Number 201.